In Matthew 18, we have a vision of life together as a Christian community. Last week, we heard about the process of bringing reconciliation where there might be a conflict of talking to a person directly, one-on-one, -on -one, trying to win back that person uh, into a relationship, and then involving others as, as the process continues. Today, our beginning part of our gospel reading, which picks up on uh, the end of last week, is Peter asking Jesus, Lord, if a member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? Seven times? And Jesus says, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, this isn't putting a cap on how many times we ought to forgive each other when we're in relationship, particularly when we're talking about relationships within the church. I think it extends beyond simply the church, but as being a person following Jesus requires us to be gracious and forgiving to all people. But the number 77 really represents an infinite amount. It's a perfect number, uh, and, and the call here is not to count how many times we ought to forgive, but to live a life of forgiveness. Then we have this parable, this parable of the unforgiving servant, as sometimes it's called, the servant who owes 10,000 talents to the master. A talent, one talent, is the equivalent of 15 years worth of labor. So I'll let you do the math about how that plays out. And so he owes this massive amount. He does not have the master's money. There's no way that he could pay it off. And there's no amount of prison time that he could uh, endure that would ever repay that amount. So this is really a death sentence, if you will. And the master forgives the debt. Now, what we would expect, perhaps, is that this servant, this slave, after receiving such a gracious gift, would then be so transformed in their heart that they would begin to forgive everyone uh, who, who owed them anything from that day for the rest of their life. But the first thing uh, that this servant does is find someone who owes him a hundred denarii. So a talent, one talent, multiplied by 10,000, one talent is 15 years of labor. A denarii is one day. So this other fellow slave owes 100 denarii. So 100 days of labor. Still a lot of money, but not anything close to what is um, being already forgiven. And this slave who's been forgiven has no mercy whatsoever for the one who owes him 100 denarii and says, pay what you owe. And when he can't do it, he sends him to prison in order to pay off his debt. Now, 100 days of labor can be paid off in, in a prison term, but it is there is no mercy being shown. And what is interesting to me is it's the fellow slaves who have solidarity and compassion for the one who owed 100 denarii over and against the, the, the one who accumulated so much that they report it back to the master. And by hearing uh, the tale of the forgiven servant who's unforgiving, the master takes back that forgiveness and sends the first servant 
to prison for the rest of his life. And it says, I think quite disturbingly, in verse 34, And in his anger, the Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. Now, here's where I make a, sort of a Bible study disclaimer. Sometimes we think of parables almost like allegories, like this character equals God, that character equals Jesus, and so on. And so in this particular parable, it's sometimes tempting to think, oh, the most powerful character, in this case, the king, is God. And I think that can be a little disturbing, particularly when we understand God to be loving and forgiving and gracious, and we like the fact that the first servant is forgiven this massive debt. Uh, but I personally am uncomfortable with the idea that God would give forgiveness and then take it away when we don't live up to our calling. That, to me, is not good. Plus, it says they were tortured until they could pay the entire debt. And we've already established that that debt will never get paid. It is way too large of a sum. And then the, the last verse of, of the parable, so parables are not allegories. They point at something, but almost obliquely. And so we can get the larger meaning, the purpose, try to live into that. But if we try to really, in a linear way, understand parables, it's just not going to always add up. And this would be one of those cases, at least in my opinion. But the last verse says, So my heavenly Father will do to you, every one of you, it says, if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now that caught my attention too, that if we don't live a life of forgiveness, God won't forgive us. Which again, from a Lutheran perspective, I don't quite, um, it doesn't quite make sense to me. But think back to the Lord's Prayer, where it says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's almost like, a, and that's also in the Gospel of Matthew, that there's a contingency built into forgiveness. To the extent that we are forgiving, we will forgive, or God will forgive us. Not, um, not terribly good news, because I don't know about you, I'm not always the best at forgiving. And if I only get forgiveness from God to the extent that I give it to others, that's problematic. Rather, I think the whole point of this parable is to truly understand the massive debt that God has forgiven for us. The, the extent to which God's grace covers everything for us, like the 10,000 talents, a truly unimaginable sum. We have been forgiven. Internalize that. Know that you are loved and fully accepted. There's nothing you could ever do that would separate you from the love of Christ, from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. There's nothing you could ever do to lose it. It's a gift. What will you do with your life? Will you be like the unforgiving servant and, and act as if nothing changed for you? Or will you live in gratitude in faithfulness and seek the best possible way that you can, that you can forgive others as you have been forgiven. You can forget trespasses as you have been trespassed upon. Now, our first reading, I think, gives a great example of faithfulness and forgiveness. The story of Joseph. Joseph and his brothers, 
we know the story, but it concludes in chapter 50, the, the very last chapter of the book of Genesis. The brothers of Joseph are jealous because he's won favor with their father. And so as when they're still young, uh, they, they take Joseph, they throw him into the pit, they sell him off to slavery. And then years go by, and Joseph, through many adventures, and you can read all about it in Genesis, I know many of you are probably familiar with his story. Joseph is able to rise to prominence in Egypt, becoming the Pharaoh's sort of number one right-hand man, and he's incredibly powerful. And while the people of Israel are going through drought and famine, uh, Joseph's brother come to Egypt to try to get provisions, and they see Joseph. This is chapter 45. They don't recognize him until Joseph reveals himself and says, Is my father still alive? Yes. Yes, he is. And so the brothers are, are um, seeing that Joseph is now incredibly powerful, are terrified that he will exact vengeance on them. And in particular, it comes to a point in chapter 50 where the father has now died. And the brothers say, our father's dying wish was that you forgive us, that, that you do not in anger, take revenge. And I think um, whether they say that out of self-preservation or whether that's what the father actually said, the Bible is unclear. I tend to think uh, that the father actually did that because I think any father who sees estrangement or parent, I should say, between their children is going to want deeply in their heart to see reconciliation take place. But make no mistake, Joseph would be well within his rights and he had the power to execute it to exact revenge or to put in prison his brothers for what they did to him. They left him for dead. They sold him into slavery. And they had no telling uh, that things were going to uh, be in any way good for Joseph. But I want to just reread what Joseph says to his brothers because I think it's so beautiful. And such a great example of how we can live into forgiveness that yes, we've been forgiven, how can we live into a life of forgiveness so that God's light might shine through us, that we might be the blessing that the world so desperately needs? Um, and so Joseph says, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as he's doing today. So have no fear. I myself will provide for you and your little ones. And in this way, he reassured them, speaking kindly to them. You might have intended it for harm, but God intended it for good. And I think of all uh, the examples in Scripture, the story of Joseph might be the very best example of faithfully living out and responding to God's graciousness. Joseph could have been bitter, but he understood that God, in a mysterious way, God's hand was working in his life, and his past experience, although traumatic, was shaping him to be a leader and to be an example of faithfulness in the world. And so he releases his anger, he releases the rights of, of revenge over his brothers, forgiving them, and says, not only do I forgive you, but I will make sure you are taken care of.
Forgiveness is hard, but it makes all the difference in the world because the truth is in our human relationships, we will often hurt those that we love the most. We will, uh, even without knowing it, um, cause harm. But to, but to always remember that we are forgiven and that God's storehouse of, of grace is limitless, that we can even have a bit of that love and forgiveness in our heart and extend that through our actions uh, is, is a blessing in the world and makes differences in our relationships and I think will reverberate throughout the world and bring the good news to a world that needs it so, so much. So may we, by the power of the Spirit, know that we are loved and forgiven no matter what, that nothing separates us from the love of God. And may we, in whatever way we can, extend that same love and grace and mercy to those in our life. And for that, we give God thanks. Amen.